Welcome to the Los Angeles Sentinel Daily Brief. This is where we talk black and talk back to the headlines that are impacting the black experience. I'm Neil Anderson and here's what you need to know for today. Former Texas police officer Aaron Dean was recently sentenced to nearly 12 years in prison following his manslaughter conviction for shooting a Tatiana Jefferson in her own home in 2019. And in Louisiana, five law enforcement officers involved in the May 2019 death of black motorist Ronald Green have been indicted on state charges by a grand jury in Union Parish, Louisiana. One of the lead attorneys for both cases is civil rights attorney Lee Merritt. He joins me now to discuss both cases and the state of our nation's criminal justice system. Welcome to The Daily Brief. Good to be here. For the past two years, the work that you have done has been significant to tell our stories, our experience, and the plight that we have in this criminal justice system. Uh, one of the cases is a Tatiana Jefferson's murder. But before we get into that, you did something significant over the past week or two um, with her sister, Amber Carr. Can you talk to us about um, what's happening with her sister and the work that you recently did? For those who aren't familiar with the case of a Tatiana Jefferson, on October 12th of 2019, she was playing video games at home with her eight-year-old nephew, and a police officer shot her through the bedroom window, killing her. Three years later, um, just a couple of weeks ago, that officer was convicted uh, for her murder and sentenced to a, a sentence of 11 years, 10 months, and 12 days. The eight-year-old that was with Tatiana when she was killed was Zion Carr, and his mother, Amber Carr, mm -hmm. is obviously Tatiana's sister. Well, she was in the hospital at the time that Tatiana was shot, dealing with her health, with significant health issues. Since Tatiana was killed, not only did her mother pass away from health issues, uh, her, a father figure passed away from health issues, and now her sister, just this past week, has been given a prognosis by her doctors that uh, she needs to go be weaned off medication, that they believe uh, once she's weaned off of it, her heart will stop. And so they've given her a terminal prognosis. Her community, her family have been pushing back, um, uh, both against the prognosis. They're looking for uh, donors. Uh, they're looking for uh, alternative opinions. Uh, but the biggest concern is that she has two young boys, Zion, who the world knows, who testified in the trial, and Zayden, a seven-year-old, uh, his little brother. And we were able to raise resources, uh, the community of uh, people from all around the country, Sean King pitched in, Tamika Mallory pitched in, other celebrities, uh, without me asking, has, has, has asked to support the family. And within a, a day or two, we were able to raise $100,000 for a family. Wow, over yeah. $100,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Um, and so what has been her response to this overwhelming outpour of love? Well, I, I was telling the people who have been asking about her, her mental state right now is that this gives her the space to grieve. All of this has given her the space to deal with the crisis that she's actually in. Mm. And so she was also able to see justice for her sister. Or is that justice 12 years? Is, is that justice? It's not justice. Um, I've, I've never seen the American criminal justice system deliver actual justice uh, to a black family. It's closer than we've seen in North Texas in a long time. No police officer, and th this happened in a place called Tarrant County, it's where Dallas and Fort Worth and some of the major, very conservative areas of Texas are. Uh, 
never in the history of Texas has an officer gone to jail for an on-duty shooting mm -hmm. uh, in that region. So it's a win. It's a relief. Uh, but no, uh, the, the, this system is not capable of actually doing justice for, for our families. Now, does he face a federal trial as well? He faces the potential for a federal trial. Okay. And so we are pushing for the Department of Justice to intervene and bring federal charges like they did in Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. This is an administration that has set a precedent for that and has been doing more for civil rights families um, than I've seen any other administration do in my lifetime. Is this the new form of justice for black Americans? Like when we look at um, all of the individuals who have been killed by the police, they're getting million dollar settlements. Uh, we're starting to see police officers go to jail. Is this the new form of justice for criminal justice? Well, hopefully not. We're okay. seeing it because people are talking about it. But the truth is less than 1% of officer-involved shootings result in any form of accountability. Mm -hmm. And qualified immunity, a term that the nation began to get familiar with, but a shield, a judicially created civil shield for police officers, keeps us from being able to successfully target uh, cities for the crimes of their officers. And so people ask a lot, you know, why is it only Ben and Lee Barrett out there doing this work? This work doesn't pay uh, because of the the... Uh, immunities created by municipalities. The the line of demarcation I make is at the start of the war on drugs. Mm -hmm. At the start of the war on drugs in America, we have 50,000 prisoners in all of the country today. We have 2.2 million, so there was an explosion of the prison population. Mm -hmm. And then we saw the deadliest, most violent police force in, in the modern world rise out of the last 50 years. And so if we, if we, for me, if we take that number and we begin to repeal the policies that we developed in the last 50 years, like Mary Garland has begun to do, mm -hmm. then we actually see progress and justice in the black community. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that because he recently suspended the disparities between mm -hmm. crack and powder cocaine. What were your thoughts on that? Is that a good move? It was a good move. He hasn't gone far enough. To know that this is the first uh, AG to do something about it, you're telling me that we've known it's been a sin. We knew that it existed for the last 30 years, but we continue to enforce it. So there are millions of people languishing in prison or with criminal records are dead based on the same policies that we just got around to repealing. Mm. That is crazy to me. So he doesn't deserve a slap on the back. Uh, it is something that needed to be done. But let's look at everything else as well. Right. You know, what caused our prison population to not quadruple, grow tenfold in the last 50 years? These are nonviolent offenders. These are providers in their communities. These are people who want to give back. But because of archaic uh, drug laws that we all agree were, were wrong in the first place, mm -hmm. they are in prison or relegated to second-class citizenship. Tatiana was able to do what we were, we were told to do, get a good education, attend Xavier University, a biology major was becoming a doctor. Uh, but because of systemic racism, because she had to live in a city that had an overly militarized police force that were allowed to use military force against black communities. So the day she left her door open, she became a victim of the deadliest police culture in the modern world. Do you uh, consider yourself an abolitionist? I, I, I do, I don't think that most people understand what abolitionism is. You know, the idea of defund the police sort of set off this alarm nationally uh, concerning the, uh, the idea that we don't believe that we should have any security forces. I think we should reimagine what security forces look like mm -hmm. and that this, mili this standing military force and 2.2 uh, million people in cages around the country. I think, I, I pray 10 or 20 years, we look back at this era and say, man, the way that we look back on slavery and right. say, that was wrong. It was clearly wrong and it existed. It, it continues to exist because we all think it's normal mm -hmm. and it's not. 
Right. And I, I thank God for the opportunity for me to see the rest of the world. And none of the rest of the modern world, the industrial world, lives like this under a police state. That's just not how they operate. So you're telling me the land of the free, really? The land of the, the, land free, of the free is a mockery in terms of the, the tone. Mm-hmm. And just imagine the most incarcerated place in the world. The, the place in the world that holds, I believe, 20% of the world's prison population is considered the land of the free. right? Mm-hmm. And cops get to kill you and say they fear for their lives, but it's the home of the brave. Right? <laughs> Last time um, I had you on a show that I was working on, you had a gag order on you. Yeah. You couldn't talk about Ronald Green. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that case before we jump into my next question? I have to first acknowledge, since you brought it up, that I am still under a gag in that case. Okay. There are certain things that they cannot stop me from talking about, like things that are already in the public. Mm-hmm. And so I can address the fact that five officers were arrested recently for the brutal murder of Ronald Green by the Union Parish prosecutor, a a gentleman by the name of John Belton. Three years ago in May, Mm -hmm. uh, Ronald Green was put over in a traffic stop and beat to death on what Louisiana state troopers call, what we believe to be called, nigga night. There's been an investigation into the Louisiana state troopers that resulted in the the head of the the chief uh, trooper uh, being removed. Another officer who was involved in the murder of of Ronald took his own life or died in a single car uh, crash. Uh, the same day that he received notice that he w- he was being terminated uh, for his role in, in the death of Ronald, Ronald Green. And so, yeah, Louisiana is a strange place. Hmm. It is the old South. It's like stepping into a time machine. Mm-hmm. I went to Gramlin, so I'm okay, very familiar. Yeah. Lincoln Parish, yeah. I'm very familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, I've been down there working with Gary Chambers, hoping to get him elected. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he had a good run at it, and I'm, I'm proud of the leadership that he continues to have in the area. But uh, that's what's going on with the state troopers, they were arrested. We're looking forward to a, a trial. We don't have a date yet, mm-hmm. uh, but this has been a long time coming for the family. And don't they have a history of uh, brutalizing people of color at this parish? The LSP, the Louisiana State Troopers, have a sordid history with racism and, and targeted violence that, I mean, goes back, you know, really to the civil rights movement mm-hmm. and beyond. You were the lead attorney for Ahmad's mother mm-hmm. in, in the trial. We saw justice for him as well. Now, her trial is coming up. That's right. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what's at stake and why we should be paying attention to this trial. This is a, an especially important one for me as an attorney because I've never seen this happen before. A prosecutor who failed to bring criminal charges against the men who assaulted Ahmad already who murdered Ahmad has been indicted for failure to uphold her duty of office. I think that she is responsible, like hundreds of prosecutors around the country. Right. And so this case could potentially set a precedent to start a trend. Uh, Jackie Johnson was the Glenn County prosecutor, and Gregory McMichael, one of the killers of Ahmad, who's been convicted and will be spending the rest of his life in Georgia State Prison, uh, worked for her as an investigator. And he's the first person she called from the scene. She had a responsibility at that time as the lead prosecutor in the region to tell him that she could not contact him, that he was, uh, that he pr- probably should get an attorney and prepare either to prosecute the case herself or contact the attorney general and say, I have a conflict. She didn't do any of the above. Instead, right. she participated in the cover up of uh, Ahmad's murder, uh, denying that family justice for months uh, before anyone was arrested. And now, you know, it's time for her to get her just come ups. I'm, I'm excited about it. Right. <laughs> I mean, and, and when we talk about district attorneys, how much, I don't think the American people understand how much 
district attorneys work with hand-in-hand police officers. Is that a good thing, a bad thing, or does the whole process need to change? Well, when we talk about how there's systemic problems in the American legal system, that's one of the key ones. A major purveyor of violence, uh, defendants in criminal proceedings are often police officers Mm -hmm. because... We live in the, most, the most violent police culture in the uh, in the industrialized world. Mm-hmm. And so the only people that we have to prosecute them are prosecutors who they work with day in and day out. Mm-hmm. As an attorney in, in Philadelphia, I worked with the prosecutor's office and they offered us a badge and a gun. We felt like we were a part of the team. Wow. And so mm-hmm. when they come uh, before us as defendants, we're still working with them. Mm-hmm. You know, we're still looking to cop them a plea or cover up evidence often, or, you know, we rely on them to do the investigating for us. And so it, it it's a conflict that exists in the system that we were able to navigate around George Floyd because the attorney general there, Keith Ellison, hired special prosecutors. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we should, should do in every case. Prosecutors who don't actually work with the police every day, it's just common sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we saw a great result in that case, and that's often what we see when we get special prosecutors. I think that's how we should handle the prosecution of police officers. All right. Any more cases should we be paying attention to in 2023? Right now, my mind is on Michael Dean. Um, Most people have never heard of him because the video of his murder was never released. He went out one day back in December of 2019 uh, to get his daughter a birthday cake. Hmm. His six-year-old daughter a birthday cake in Temple, Texas. An officer pulled him over, walked up to his car, shot him point blank in the face. Uh, I've never seen the video. It's how it was described to me. The officer was indicted, and his explanation was he accidentally pulled the trigger, Um, that he was reaching for the keys, and that pulling back with one hand made him pull back on the other hand, and he shot Michael Dean in the face, killing him. Uh, That case goes to trial. Uh, I'm interested in seeing that evidence. Once that evidence is released, Mm -hmm. I think the nation will start to pay attention to Michael Dean. Uh, There's Demetrius Williams that happened right up the street just a day apart. Unfortunately, our police officers kill about three people a day, mm. and I, me or Ben Crump gets the phone call generally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can tell you that we're still looking forward to moving forward with the uh, civil case in the Tatiana Jefferson. But there, there are so many families that when I begin to rattle them off, I start to get phone calls to say, well, you know, when are you going to say... Uh, Roman's name, a young man in Florida who was going in a mental health crisis and entered his own school to perform and was shot to death uh, by a police officer um, during his obvious mental health crisis at his high school. Uh, There are countless stories. Wow. Because of you and and people like Sean King, Mm -hmm. you amplified their stories and now we know about them. And I, I really truly believe that is why the wheels of justice are turning. Yeah. And I know the ancestors, they're good marshal and right. are like, right. thank God, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before I let you go, I always like to play like a top five. I, I give you five things and I want to get your thoughts about them. Um, so you want to play? Let's do it. Okay. First term is Omega Sci-Fi. Oh, I think of friendship. Um, my brother, Ben Crump, is a member of Omega Sci-Fi. I, I began my journey with Omega as a student at Morehouse. Throughout the years, it's always been, no matter where I go in the country, I can tell one story about being in Bismarck. It was snowed out, and we didn't have anywhere to go, and some random queue gave me his house. The men of Omega Sci-Fi, I believe in friendship is essential to the soul. I know I'm, I'm going on too long. No, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, next term, grassroots law. Oh, grassroots law. First is the concept. It's the idea that we can empower ourselves with knowledge of the law, 
and begin to change things at the grassroots level. Uh, that's where my activism joins in with my legal profession. So as an act, so as an activist, I know the best way to get justice for a mob, for example, is to figure out who's supposed to be prosecuting the case. Mm -hmm. And that's where we started that. My legal training tells me that that prosecutor has to answer to an attorney general, that attorney general has to answer to the governor, the governor has to answer to the DOJ, right? So all of those things, uh, my legal training allows me uh, to know the right buttons to push in order to, to move forward with justice in, in, in our communities. Grassroots Law Project was my opportunity to show other people how to do that. Working with my good friend, Sean King, again, in the activist space, uh, using the lessons that we've learned over the decades of working together. We went to Morehouse together. Oh, and so okay. literally the lessons that we've learned so over the decades. you guys actually went to Morehouse. That's right. Buddies, yep. spent time in each yep. other's dorm yep. rooms, study. Yep. Okay, yep. fun fact. You know, you know, protested the murder of um, Amadou Diallo together as young teenagers, um, worked for the Darfur crisis and then the, the genocide occurring in the Sudan. Yeah, we've been doing this together for like many, many years. <laughs> okay, all right. Now I understand it. All right. Uh, I said his name, but I want to get your thoughts. Thurgood Marshall. Thurgood Marshall is the prototype. First, I want to thank him for taking on cases in Texas. Uh, taking on cases on behalf of the NAACP and being punished for it. Despite his celebrity, people don't know that they tried to put Thurgood Marshall in jail, that they fined him and that they had these heavy fines and that he had to fight these battles at cost so that we could get a precedent. Mm -hmm. And I got to take that precedent in court when they tried to sue me, when they tried to send me to jail for eight years and say, no, you are already tried to do this to Brother Thurgood Marshall. And the law says that I get to practice law in, in Texas and advocate for our families and communities and not join the Texas bar, because that was the concern. If we joined the Texas bar, Thurgood had, if I had, uh, they could disbar us and wow. we could not continue to represent families. So we wanted Yankee attorneys, essentially, to be able to go down south mm -hmm. and work with families. So Thurgood Marshall is literally the trailblazer that allows me to do the work that I do today. Criminal justice. Oh, criminal justice, uh, human rights crisis. Right now, we call poverty criminal. We call mental health crisis criminal. And we respond to this so-called crime with the deadliest, most violent strategy that a nation has ever employed. America is not only the most incarcerated nation in the world, it's the most incarcerated nation in world history. We've never heard of a civilization that decided that, you know, it would end the bounds of slavery, stop calling it slavery, and call the people they enslaved criminals instead. Uh, it is an injustice that I think we're just starting to wake up to. Just, you know, the slavery by another name is the tip of the iceberg, but I believe that our generation will be the generation to disrupt uh, the American criminal justice system that I believe is an evil of itself. The last one is a fun one. It turns 50 this year. Okay. Hip-hop. Hip-hop turns 50 this year. Wow. Unfortunately, um, I'm going to tie it back to what we've just been talking about. So does the war on drugs. The war on drugs turned 50 the year before, uh, last year. Mm -hmm. And so uh, they are tied at the hip. And I believe that hip-hop can be used as a tool uh, to end um, drug disparities and uh, disparities in the criminal justice system. I grew up as a kid from South Central LA, believing I was a hip hop artist. Okay. Um, I put out an album in high school. Really? Yeah, yeah, what they called they call? me Lyric. Um, uh, dark, dark Clouds. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I love hip hop. I continue to use hip hop to connect and tell people about these families that I represent. Because you said it, I'll give you some bars if you like. Oh! <laughs> all right, all right, all right, here we go. Give us some bars. Okay, um, it's, I just need your help. You got to say ring, ring. 
Ring, okay. Do so, I? All you gotta do is say ring, ring. Ring, ring. I point at you, you say. Ring, ring. They murdered my aunt, you know, they murdered my grandma, and I've been coping miserably. I take two shots at Hennessy because she took two shots meant for me. And Mr. Merritt, I hope we can speak eventually because you said it's on us, but this one is on me specifically. And I don't know if I should let this doctors get to me because I don't want to die, but lately I've been thinking differently. Like, is it life if they feed us death intentionally? And I've been marked at risk since day one of elementary. What lies ahead is either death or penitentiary, and justice seems to be a game of chance and serendipity. You say? Ring, ring. Hello? They murdered my auntie, and I've been coping awkwardly. We were playing video games. They were playing Monopoly. Late Friday night, I heard them creeping on our property. Tay told me to lay low. This could be a robbery. I closed my eyes. I heard a shot and concophony, and I don't know the policy, but shoot first apologies is probably mm. in effect if you got the law degree, but I saw it all, so I cried my tears inaudibly. You say? Ring, ring. Hello? They murdered my son, and I've been coping hopelessly. He went for a run. They grabbed their guns and did it openly. And then they told me, clutch my rosaries and meet me by the river because the chariot swinging lower than it's supposed to be. But my son, he fought him nobly, just like his mother taught him because resistance is the potpourri to poetry. Dead flowers that smell like hope to me, the spirit of a modest, the spirit that's provoking me. Mm -hmm. And the clouds are passing over me, yet the sky provides an opening. And my eyes can see approaching me. I'm sorry, leave a message and hopefully you'll get a hold of me. Hey! <laughs> Bars by Silver Rice Attorney <laughs> Merritt. I think Dr. Dre, we need a beat. <laughs> Dre, hook me up. We need home. <laughs> All right, for the latest in black news, you want to visit lasentinel.net. And don't forget, the Daily Brief is available wherever podcasts can be found. I'm Neil Anderson. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And you have just been debriefed. Thank <laughs> you.